Jay right in your face. Welcome back to the Fadeaway Podcast off-season, not-so-off-season edition, baby. We're a little bit torn because it's releasing after season three, but it's still still technically yeah. an off-season interview. Nonetheless, it's an amazing interview, so we're excited to bring it to you guys. I'm your host, Fetty, and I got my co-host with me, Zaid. How you doing, bro? We're good, man. We're one day away, technically, from the NBA season opener, so it's going to be yeah. fun. We, you know, we had a nice little off-season of like really good interviews. Um, I think we, 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 maybe we met a lot of cool people. Um, and now it's time to get back into NBA basketball. We can't wait. We yeah. Have so many predictions, so many uh, storylines this year, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm going to miss sliding into people's DMs and hounding them to come on the podcast. Mm. But uh, I don't know if that's going to stop. I think we, we saw a lot of good mm. traction from the, the guests. We enjoyed it a lot and got to meet a lot of dope people. And it's just helping us, you know, build relationships. And that's that's what this business is all about. And we're going to talk about that as well in this interview. Um, let's talk about Ben. Uh, he's a video producer with uh, Yahoo Sports. He's done a lot of very, very cool projects, including a, it was an Indochino a promotional thing with R.J. Barrett from the New York Knicks. Uh, he covered the All-Star game this year and plenty of other cool things. And we just got to pick his brain, man, talk about what goes into being a producer, um, video, you know, being in the media, technically NBA media and what that what that's like because it's, it's hectic, man. And he talks about a story in the elevator. I'm not going to ruin it now. Uh, but these are just the ways of the business, and it's it was just an amazing conversation. So uh, I had a great time. I think you guys will really enjoy yeah. it. So uh, let's get to it. Our interview with Ben. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Ben to the show. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? We're doing very well, bro. Thanks again for your time. Uh, we appreciate it. So uh, in our in our intro, we mentioned this briefly, but uh, we we knew each other briefly from Brock. I would not say that we were close by any means, but we recognized each other. We saw each other probably around the ball court. Uh, so it's it's cool to see you doing really cool stuff out there, man. And we're excited to uh, pick your brain about that. So we appreciate your time this evening. Yeah, thank you. Likewise, I mean, I'm glad to see you guys doing real well with this podcast as well, too. So uh, it's good to see um, you guys be able to just focus on, you know, it's really streamlined Raptors content. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys continue to build it out. Much appreciated, man. So Benji, let's just start by, you know, Telling us a little bit about yourself, what your role is with Yahoo Sports, what you're doing with with, with Yahoo, and how you, um, you know, you know, got into your position at Yahoo as well. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a video producer over at Yahoo Sports Canada, and um, I've been really focused on a few different things. Um, more specifically, starting off, I, I was brought on to be, you know, a beat producer, so covering a lot of the Raptors content from practice, game day, anything in between, being able to turn around content from either what was shared by the players or what was said uh, in a press meeting or live at a game, just to be able to get it out to fans as soon as possible and to obviously deliver it in in a timely way where we can make it look the best it can look is really what my focus has been from the jump. Um, Pivoting off from like when sports was kind of on pause for a bit, um, I started to look at some different other functions. So editing another Raptors show called um, Raptors Over Everything and also Run It Back, uh, which has uh, Will Lou, another person you guys actually had on this mm-hmm. podcast before. Yeah, and more recently, I've been focused on that and uh, and also another football segment uh, through his own partnership. Man, that's dope. So 
talk to me more about the your role with William Lou's podcast. Because right when you said Raptors over everything, I'm like, I know that podcast. So that's William Lou. We had that guy on last year, and uh, he's he's awesome, man. And he's one of the bigger Raptors voices and personalities. So what's your what's your role within that show specifically? Because is that is it more on the audio or the video side, or do you work on the? Because he has. I, I don't. He has it on video, right? He does. It is a video podcast. It is a video podcast, but okay. they also do have it set up for for audio only as well. But correct. Uh, okay. To be honest, it was mainly just being able to uh, find ways to be able to make it presentable in the video sense. So whether we're adding, you know, photos or different clips to be able to to reference with it. Um, and when we were shooting it live in studio, I was part of you know the call and show. So if people called in. I was the one mainly handling the calls and being able to organize the questions for the guys and uh, worked alongside a couple other people from the studio team uh, and my supervisor at the, at the time. And so that was kind of my involvement with it. And it's kind of been something where I've been dipping out in and out just to be able to support whenever I can. But right. for the most part, my focus for a good chunk of the year was just like uh, honing in on the Raptors, like photo and video content. That's crazy, man. And um I'm excited to talk more about that specifically, but I want to zoom out a little bit, Ben, and ask you more about your your passion for all this because this is – I want to know – it's kind of a two-part question. Where did your passion for creating the content come from would be the first part and the second part. Did you have this goal in mind that you wanted to create content in a sports setting or was that something that came up by chance or you, like was your goal just to create content or were you know, – you're like, no, I'm avidly chasing you know, creating content in this specific space? Uh, that's a great question, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. It's 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 been a goal of mine for a while now, probably just even going as far back as, you know, when we were both at Brock, like I was trying to find different ways to elevate the sporting experience, but then also on the content side, like how can we, how can we create uh, exciting, engaging content for students and just overall like basketball and sports fans. And so um, whether it was starting off helping with Brock Varsity Athletics and then eventually pivoting to the Niagara River Lions, I was always looking for that next step to eventually get me to where I wanted to be, which was, you know, being able to create this unique Raptors content, whether it was a photo or video. And so um, for a while now, I've been kind of chasing the opportunity to see, you know, how I can be able to get into a company like Yahoo and really be able to expand on, you know, what they already had going. And so, it, it took some connecting with a few different people who worked there and then, you know, getting the interview in and also the timing. So I came in at a time where the season had just rolled in uh, the 2019-2020 season. And so um, I got set up and, yeah, it was it was just like a great opportunity from the jump. Like, I just think it was uh, it, it was something where I definitely had to do uh, my end on the networking and really following up and, and getting a good sense of what they were looking for and, and finding a way to align with those goals too. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was, it, it's, it's been a pretty good journey and it's really fulfilled a lot of the, the edge I was looking for with being able to cover live sports and, and, uh, and just be able to just put my own twist on it too, right? Like figuring out if there's, you know, any unique stories that could be done and um, really profiling some players who have, you know, some unique backgrounds in basketball. Yeah, and you you talk a lot about you know putting your being able to put your own twist on it, and you know I saw on your website at the bottom you know you have a you know a space for people to submit their stories and have their you know stories created by you. Um, you know what are the, some of the things that you do you know to bring these people's stories to life, and you know what and maybe what's maybe some interesting stories that you've been able to learn and work on uh, you know through that platform. 
Um, for me, a lot of it is really just trying to just really dig and figure out, you know, what is their why. And I think once I once I can really dig down to their why, like I, I can help to really bring out the best in them and, and ask a lot of the right questions because, you know, a lot of people could reach out to me and say, you know, they want a video for such and such or, you know, this or that. And I'm like, okay, well, wh- who who is watching the video? Like, what is it? What is it going to take for someone who's watching it to get excited? Like, what what are some of the reasons why you feel as if it's so necessary? And when I start to figure out these reasons why, it's easier for me to be able to figure out, okay, like, between the shots that we're looking to get and what we need you to say in front of the video, if you need to say something, like, how can we make it as captivating as possible? And, and I mean, really driving home on those, uh, the key pre- principles have helped me, you know, push out, you know, some really fun and, and cool projects. I mean, I've worked on a, a mini doc on, on a player before. So Jamal Campbell, a player from the Toronto Argos. Um, I've worked on some other different sports promotional stuff. I've worked on stuff with different brands. Um, and even just more recently, something with uh, with RJ Barrett from uh, the New York Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's actually what, uh, and I'll be honest with you, that's what caught my attention. I didn't know that you were in this space. And then I saw the RJ Barrett. Somebody had sent it to me. And actually, they sent it to me and said, you need to get this guy on your podcast. And I was like, wow, I had no idea Ben was in this space. And this is so cool. And and it's it's funny because, man, like a lot of people who aren't in this space in in the creation, like content creation space, you know, when you're watching a show, you're looking at the camera, you're looking at the TV screen and the show is all about the person who's speaking. Right. There's this this personality. But now that we're in this space and. You know, we've been trying to launch video for some time and, and hopefully we're going to be doing that very soon. But the importance of you, of your role, it's immense. And as you as you you know continue to get these opportunities with bigger organizations, it gets harder and harder and you have to do more things. And, and, and it's very, I'm sure, very competitive. So how do you go about standing out? How do you go about making a name for yourself in that pocket where you're not the one on the screen, but you're creating the stuff behind the scenes? You know, that's a really good question. That's a really good question because, you know, a lot of things can change. And even at a time like right now that we're going in in this pandemic, it's it's really something where, you know, when we couldn't be live at games, you know, shooting um, both post-game interviews and then also pre-game photos, uh, we get put in this space where we're like, okay, well, fans still want to see sports. You know, sports are going to happen one way or another. Like, how can we bring this content to life? And at that point, like, that's where the focus of my job really shifted from shooting, you know, on such a high volume to now editing on a high volume and figuring out ways that we can utilize whatever other content we get from the teams to be able to be incorporated in these videos. Now, whether it's, you know, interviews that we're doing between different hosts or um, or if it's just whatever other creative style we're doing, we have to find a way to be able to utilize you know, the creative tools we have to make it look good. And so I think for someone like me, I I feel like me trying to learn as much as I can about these different, you know, editing tools is giving me the advantage where, you know, whether it's staying at Yahoo or looking at the next opportunity when I need to be able to, you know, sell myself, I think being able to show how I can pivot and and really evolve from whatever previous stage I was at is going to make me better than I was before. And then I'll also be able to stand out versus some of the people who, to be honest, might just not have a job because it was so polarized to just taking photos. It's like, okay, well, if you can't take a photo, 
you know, in these sports arenas, what else can you do? And you need to have those other skills that you could add value to. So whether it's being able to produce, being able to write, being able to, you know, edit or, you know, do some different stuff with After Effects. So I feel like those are the things that I think help me gain my ground. And then also the process. I think me being able to really be intricate and, and, um, and distinct with my process when people start to realize, Hey, I like working with him because he works that way. You know, you start to eventually develop this web of, of a network with people who just want to work with you because they know what they're going to get. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you had mentioned earlier to us that you worked the 2020 all-star game last year and we can only imagine kind of what kind of energy was there how the players were there so you know what did you do at the all-star game and 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 you know what was the environment like being around the players and you know how was that experience what what, how did it feel to be honest all-star weekend was one of the coolest things i've ever done but it was also one of those weekends where i probably got the least amount of sleep i've ever gotten in my life but it was the most thrilling like non-stop there's always something going on type of weekend but it, it was it was amazing energy honestly every corner you turn to there's you know um media personnel there's players there's community events there's branded events there's always something going on and so uh i really enjoyed it i found that you know i was able to connect with some really good um contacts within the media industry i was able to see some really neat things with the athletes and even connect with some of them and then I think one of the more cooler parts too was the brand events. Like you, they really got to uh, help you get engaged with what they had going on. So I remember Converse had a really big, cool event. Um, and they rented out a space. They they had some different uh, youth organized basketball games going on. A sneaker customization shop. Um, and yeah, I I just found that between the mix of it all, the balance, everything just felt so fulfilling. You know, between the work to play and just being able to just have time to just observe and soak in what's going on it it is definitely one of the the coolest environments you can be in if you're in the sports media realm who, who are some cool players you got to beat that weekend who are some people that maybe you had preconceived notions about them and the the meeting you had changed your opinion if you had any i don't know if you did i was just wondering hmm. that's a good question actually i would say uh hmm players that got to meet that I thought were interesting. I got, so one person I thought was, you know, going to be a little, a little bit more close up was actually very nice. was Tyler Hero. Um, we met Tyler Hero and we did an interview with him and I thought he was, he had a really good personality and he was fun to interview and he was definitely a lot more approachable and open than I thought he would be. Um, I'm trying to think which other ones were really great as well too. I think another few good ones I would say were, um, like Shea, Gildas Alexander, and yeah, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They, they were both really great. We had been doing a couple different uh, post-game stuff, following up with them, and they, they were great to be able to work with as well, too. Um, aside from that, aside, aside from that, other memorable ones. Honestly, I just uh, want to ask you a quick question, Ben, about like when you're in that specific environment and you say, like, we did an interview with Tyler Hero, like, is that something that's scheduled in his daily program? Like he wakes up, he's like, okay, I got an interview here. Or is it on you guys to approach them and say, hey, Tyler, like we're, you know, I'm Ben from Yahoo and we would like to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, and then from there you go. Like, is it one of those or is it scheduled in their program? Uh, typically depends on what network you're from. Now, since we, 
since we weren't one of the bigger networks, like let's say Turner Network or right, ESPN, you know, whichever other ones, ESPN, like we were, we pretty much had to make our own ground where if you had a relationship or if you took the time to be able to reach out to their management, that's where they, the management really decides if you're going to have access to the athlete or not. So luckily one of the you know people we work with happened to know uh, the representative of Tyler Hero. So being able to get in contact with him wasn't that hard and it really was like a, an easy live for us. So um, that was a good feeling to know that we had some of those contacts. And to be honest, that was a huge play in being able to like be able to get access to the events too, because not everybody gets access to the the branded events or even some of the events that they invite teams and players to. You have to really rely on those personal connections. So uh, that was kind of our, our golden ticket to to getting those those interviews. Zane, it's kind of funny. Like he he just brings up the relationship aspect of the business, and we were just talking to um, Elias from North Pole Hoops. And he was like, man, this business is all about relationships and relationships has been like the 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 theme of the week. eh? Yeah, exactly. And it's so important that when you work with people, you kind of create that relationship. You never know where it's going to lead you to later on in the future. Let's talk about, you know, how, how did you build that relationship and that networking and the opportunity with um, Indochino and RJ Barrett? Yeah, that was actually a, a, a really neat one for me because uh in the past, I've been approached to to work on a very similar type of video, but this one was initially before RJ had gone into the draft, and that was through a creative agency. But this one, more recently, was more of a personal connection that a friend of mine had with a uh, a brand consultant who was working with uh, Indochino on a few different projects, and so. When they had, when they had expanded from the idea of just you know making it you know a short video to something that's more of a longer piece where we can cut a few different types of cut downs out of it is when they thought okay maybe we hire a few of the people to be part of the team and so um, grateful for that friend that reached out to me his name's Kyle and uh, we 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 do a, a few different videos together and we work on some different branded content and so it was nice to be able to have us to collab. Uh, on this project. And I thought it was really neat because um, me and myself, I'd been working in, in the basketball realm for, I want to say five or six years now. And in the early years, when I noticed RJ initially, he was definitely a lot more shy and didn't want to talk on camera as much. And to be in that interview and to see how he developed as well too, I thought it was really neat because he was really, he was really happy to be there, to be honest, and just engaged and really just wanted to be himself and have fun. So um, I thought it was really it was really cool. And, and it was a full circle moment for me as well, too, to see him at his early stages. And I was in my early stages working, you know, the sport media realm. And then now we're a bit more involved. So, uh, yeah, I was thrilled to be part of that project. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to ask you, just with regards to your player relationships, Ben, because these guys, like you said, like in the time between you for when you first saw RJ and you last saw RJ, he was transformed in terms of his on on camera presence. And the reason is, especially for RJ being in New York City, media in the NBA is so prevalent. So you're always in front of the camera. You're learning. And in the, in that, you're also meeting a ton of media members. How do you go about being memorable? Like when you say, you know, I saw RJ. And then two years later, we did another project and, you know, he was dope down to earth. We kicked it. And like, he remembered me like, you know, because that's what that's what it is with these guys. You have to be memorable. So how do you go 
about doing that? Like, is it more about the just how you treat them or is it the experience in itself? Like, how do you guys go about making that um, memory with these guys? Well, I think there's a few different factors there. And I think for myself being in the realm where I was at games and practices all the time, I could see when players were getting annoyed with certain things and other times where they felt like they wanted to just spend more time. And I think a lot of it is, is a balance between both points you said. It's really like the experience you give them, but then also like what are you doing to just, you know, be friendly and bring the right type of energy too. So for me personally, like I find – that whenever I was at game days, uh, I wouldn't try to get in their way and, and I wouldn't try to ask too much. I pretty much just try to stay in my bubble, but every now and then, you know, if a cool thing happens and either you could just show them for a few seconds so they get excited, or if you just bring up something that was like a past interaction from, you know, when you both had to talk, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm getting more familiar with this guy. I like this guy, like he respects my space. He lets me do my thing, but like, here's where the bond lies and we don't try to like overstep that line, right? Like, I think, I think an important part is to let the player feel comfortable, maybe find those, those points where you guys have commonalities. Like, let's say he's listening to a certain song and he's, you know, rapping in. It's like, start saying some lyrics with them. They're like, oh yeah, you know that song? It's like, yeah. But beyond that, it's like, don't try to act like you have to, you know, become their best friend or you don't try to fraternize with them. You just find your moments and you come and go. Like you don't expect a lot, but in the end, they'll appreciate you because you're just a genuinely good person, right? You're somebody they would want to be around and that makes you someone they trust and they wouldn't mind doing more work with you. And I think even on the reporting side, like I've seen reporters ask questions that are redundant or questions that are so simple that it's like, don't even bother asking me. They'd be like, well, how did you feel scoring 30 points that game? It's like, well, how do you think I felt, right? So, like, I give them something that makes them feel like their purpose is important, and they will show you they value you for trying to highlight that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, since you'll be working with a lot of Raptors content, you've been working with a lot of Raptors content, let's switch it over to some Raptors basketball. And, you know, how did you feel about the last season the, in the bubble and their performance in the bubble, and they got you know knocked out in the second round. Um, you know, what were your thoughts on the season? How would you grade that last season? Uh, if I were to grade that last season, I would give it a B. So I wouldn't give it a B plus. I could give it an A minus, but I, I think the challenge was their momentum they had going into you know the second half of the season versus what happened in the bubble, which I think was two very different things. And a lot of it just could have been from different external factors that, you know, affected the players differently. So that's where it's hard for me to say, this is the one reason why this didn't happen the way it should have happened with, you know, how we, we closed up the season. But overall, I think they performed at a reasonably high level. I think the fact that they were missing – you know, a player like Kawhi made a difference in the playoffs, which the Raptors had recognized for years. That's why they brought someone like him in. Um, but overall in the bubble, it, I think for some players, they never played They never played in an environment with uh, the factors playing out as they did, like not being exposed to family and friends, uh, being locked up in a space where you can't necessarily have access to fully be free. Like, for some players, they really didn't mind it because basketball was just what they easily can breathe. But for more players that have 
you know, bigger families or more family oriented, I think it really took a toll on them mentally. And so in the case of the Raptors, I could see how it affected players like, you know, um, Pascal Siakam. I want to say even Fred at certain moments, like it's, there's, there's different players that affected them different ways, but overall, I think, um, being able to have a little bit of freedom would probably make a difference in how they played. But overall, I think they played reasonably well, but there, there were definitely missing pieces to be able to complete, um, where they needed those leadership pieces. So like when they were facing Boston and they had, you know, those tough losses, like there were moments where, we were looking and it's like, man, they really need an extra leader other than Kyle just stepping up. And, you know, how can they search for that piece? And it's like a lot of the guys don't necessarily have as much playoff experience. So uh, that's kind of my take on the Raptors playing in the bubble last season. Yeah, man, it's it was it was an interesting transition of a season. And like it's a lot on these guys to, to throw them in these situations and, you know, all these uncertainties and are you going to work? Are you not going to work? Are you going to see your family? Are you not going to see your family? It's just up in the air. So there's a lot of factors to consider when we're looking into grading that. Um, and the whole Pascal thing, like I'm optimistic because I think that he's proven that he can improve. So we'll see how that goes. And um, I mean, OG and Obi just re-upped. So we're pretty excited to have him home, stay home. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good year, man. I'm, I'm excited. Um, in terms of your work specifically, like, I want to hear from your personal experience because, you know, all of us here being basketball fans, we love sports. We love basketball. It's our passion. And, you know, if I were ever in a position where I'm looking around and NBA all-stars are all around me, there's probably going to be a point where I'm like hyperventilating or like inside my head. I'm like, is this real? Like, is this reality? Pinch me. Like, what's going on? Like, do you ever have these moments or like at this point are you desensitized? And like, what was it like first? you know, transitioning from Brock Athletics to Niagara River Lions to eventually working with NBA players and personnel? You know, you bring up a really good question that sometimes uh, I I have to remind myself because I'm like, you know what, there's moments where I'll really look back and be like, wow, this was really a moment that I'm, I'm grateful to be in the mix of. And other times it's easy for me to just stay focused and, and think about the work. But for me, before I'd actually gotten into, you know, the basketball side of things, I'd actually worked a four-month internship with a player agent, an NFL player agent, and he owned an analytics company. He also was the agent for a Canadian NFL player named Luke Wilson, who played for the Seahawks. Uh, And it's funny that you were mentioning before moments where you kind of have to pinch yourself and you're like, wow, this is surreal right now. Yeah. We, we had an event and it was a community event that they were using to be able to raise money for his foundation. And in this event, he brought through some current uh, Seahawks coaches and former Seahawks hall of famers, Steve Largen and Jim Zorn. And for me as a football fan growing up, like I thought it was really cool, but I, I don't think, it really sunk into me later until after all the events were done that day, they said, Hey, do you want a ticket to come watch the DC Lions home opener? I, to be honest, I almost didn't go because I thought it was just a normal ticket. And I'd been up since 5 a.m. that day. I'm like, I just want to go to bed. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should go to the football game. So I went to the football game. Turns out it was actually a ticket to a suite. I found out when I got to the stadium. And I'm in this suite now, and all of the celebrity guests that they had playing in the tournament, including the Hall of Fame NFL players, were in the suite with me. 
And I'm watching the game, and to the left and to the right of me, I have two NFL Hall of Famers. And I sat there, and I'm like, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And I could just talk to them about life, football, sports. I'm like, wow, this is – this was a moment where I'm like, That's I have crazy. to really – soak it in later and remember myself like this is where you are at 23 years old doing this so for me moments that I think more recently stuff like that happened were probably all-star weekend to be honest because like there were so many athletes in the mix and some of them will pass by you or say a couple things to you um even more 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 back last year I would say 2019 I think probably the this was, this, I think what caught me off guard and made me kind of had a fan moment was I was covering the NBA finals in Toronto uh, through MLSC. And we only had a certain amount of time to be able to cover the, the Golden State Warriors practice. Then I was also covering some of the Raptors practice. And we had to rush from the court over to the media area that they set up. And so we were rushing, myself and another cameraman who, who I was working with, we ran over the elevator and someone had just held it open for us. And there's probably about four or five other people in this elevator, but we just all squished and made it work. Um, and the funniest part about it is I didn't realize who was in the elevator until we got in and he started talking. It was Kevin Durant. And he's like, oh, what's up, guys? Stop what are you guys it. doing? And he's just like talking to us freely. And so I'm holding my camera. He's asking me questions about my camera. To be honest, I'm like speechless. Like, I didn't know what to say. It's funny, Bro. around athletes that I could talk to them a lot, but it's like, I think just the fact that he just wanted to just have a down-to-earth, genuine conversation, I just didn't know what to say. I was frozen. Yo, He's like, well, hope you guys have a great rest of your day. I'll see you guys later. And I'm like, wow, this is this is kind of, kind of cool. Yo, first of all, the fact that you didn't even notice a six foot ten lanky dude in the elevator with you that like you're definitely rushing at that point that's how you know for real the media rush is real like the fact that you can get in there with your cameras and not realize that the whole elevator is occupied by this dude but yo second of all i'd be just as shook man if i had no idea that i'm in this elevator like elevators are mad intimate you mm-hmm. need to understand like even when you're not talking like you're there's a certain level of awkwardness you're like man this is a mad close space so to be in there with uh, Kevin Durant, like, that's wild, bro. <laughs> I would have been yeah. like, just take the camera. Bro. Like, I don't even – what are you even asking me? Just have it. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> need actually, it. Actually, <laughs> right? Well, okay, so here's the funny story about me not noticing him is there's actually some seats in MLSC elevators, and so he was sitting on it. So he was actually closer <laughs> to everybody else's height. But when he stood up after, I'm like, okay, there's the six foot nine, six yeah. foot ten guy that you would – expect it is after you hear the voice right yeah no absolutely so last thing before we let you go ben and have the rest of your evening obviously the last couple of days have been flooded with trade talks for one james harden and then the last day or so they floated the fact that you know the raptors might be in play um they put in together a strong package but then you know an hour ago ish two hours ago og signs a four-year extension so i don't really know where they stand but i want to know from you like are you a Raptors fan that's on the side of like, yeah, hell yeah, bring me James Harden. I don't care what it takes. Or are you on the side of like, nah, he's going to throw it off. He's not really going to make us a competitor. It's not worth it. To be honest, I don't really see him fitting in the Raptors system. And I know some people may may argue the fact that, you know, he's going to help us win some some games and everybody will forget about, you know, the way it was playing before. But 
I just don't feel like he works into what they're trying to build or what they've built so far. And so, like, trading him away to get all of that would kind of be working backwards as much as we get the star player. It's like, if he doesn't have the supporting cast, does that just drive another problem that he will then later recognize and be like, well, I don't want to be here if I don't have a supporting cast, if I don't have another superstar to play with for long? Because he's obviously, you know, the leading scorer for the past three seasons. The challenging part is he's going to want a bank account that reflects all of that. So can the Raptors be able to pay him sustainably then also be able to recruit other top-tier talent? So you, I think we, we start to enter this hole now where we could do a lot to get the star player, but are we doing the rest of the team justice? Are we doing the future of the team justice because he is an older player? Like, are we thinking forward to the future or are we just looking at this shiny – a lot of thing that we think would just be like a really great accomplishment, right? So that's where I feel as if I'm, I'm not necessarily on the wave of wanting to see James Harden in a Raptors uniform, but I could see how we could benefit it. Can he benefit it long-term? Potentially, but I don't think it's what they're looking for in their original scheme of how they build the team, right? And so uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting... Um, a, it's, an, it's an interesting focus that they could try to put forward on the table since the whole Giannis thing is, is out of the picture. But I just think that uh, in terms of team morale and whatnot, like will it be what they're looking for? Or is it going to be a lot of the similar situations we had with Kawhi, but with less players that can be able to hold their own if Harden gets injured or has to sit out for whatever reason, right? Yeah, it's exactly exactly that. It's it's, it's exciting possibility when you when you think about it and like it could be it could look a little bit glamorous. Um but I, I'm kinda with you on that point. Like where do you really sacrifice your future that much? It also it depends, you know, if you're giving away a Pascal and a and a norm uh, to get James Harden, he might not have, you know, enough pieces around around him when he does come and then he he's only got two years left on his contract. So after those two years, do you just, like you said, can you actually pay him to stay? And even if you, you know, put up the money, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to stay. We, we saw Kawhi leave um, and we put up the money, right? So, um, and, and, and I kind of compare him, James Harden, if he were to come play for the Raptors, I kind of compare it to how we brought in Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard kind of seemed to f- fit the team a lot more morale-wise. I think Ner- Nick Nurse was able to, create an offense more for Kawhi so that he could flourish. I don't know how it would be with James Harden. James Harden really loves the ball. really loves to have the ball. So I kind of don't see that fit as well. Um, but everyone seems to like it. I've seen, I see people on Twitter, you know, Photoshopping the jersey on him. I see people on Twitter really excited for him to come. So I'm kind of like, really? Like, am I the only person just not seeing that it's a very short-term thing? You know what it is, bro? It's the trauma of your best player not showing up offensively in the playoffs. Like it's, it's that. And I'm telling you the fear of like a lot of Raptors fans right now are legitimately in fear that Pascal is a bust, mm. you know, like and, and it's such an outrageous thing. Considering when you look at the, like the grand scheme of his career, he's been improving a lot more than he's played poorly. And the one time he plays poorly, we're going to come down and say, you know, this, this, and that. On the other side, okay, yes, his offense was very limited in terms of his one move that was very successful, and teams may have caught on to that. But, I mean, it's too early to tell that he's a bust. But from a from a comparison to James Harden, James Harden is 30 points per game. He's going to get you that 30. He's going to get you 30 to 35, and you don't got to worry about that. You're gonna, 
surround him with the NBA's best defense, in my opinion, uh, in a great system. I think it can work. Um, I'm not I'm not like one of those people where it needs to happen or else, you know, I'm going to be really mad about it. But I think it will be a, a cool move. It would be nice to have James Harden here, and I think it could help us potentially bring another player in. That's also a good point, too, because, yeah, if it, if it helps bring more players from south of the border over, that's a big deal for the Raptors because a lot of what the struggle has been is players just being interested in wanting to play and also the luxury tax and um, just even getting access to family because a lot of these players, believe it or not, their family members don't have passports because they've never had to travel outside of the States. So there's all these different varying factors, but I think a huge one is obviously like being able to leverage James Harden to bring other players over. Because if people see Harden having success in Toronto, they could be like, hell, well, I, I want to play with James Harden in Toronto. Let me go to Toronto and see what's going on there, right? But I don't know. I, I think a big challenge for me is <laughs> the defense part, right? Like the yeah. nurse is, is big on defense and James Harden is not. So I don't know if James Harden is going to be willing to change his ways for that or if we're going to have to reshift our whole system to be able to adjust to his playing style, right? It'll be interesting for sure, but I, I think whichever way we go, I'm excited that the season is back and, and you are probably going to – I mean, you're probably not as excited because that means you're crazy back at work again. But I know obviously you love your job and you enjoy what you do, but it gets hectic during the season. So I I uh, commend you for what you do, man, and, and we're honestly so grateful to have you on the show. I think it was an awesome experience to get to talk to you and pick your brain about your experiences. And, um, and yeah, man, RJ Barry, if you're listening to this mm-hmm. – Come, come through, bro. Come through. It's a hometown. Uh, it's a hometown show, so it's it's a safe place here. So we're we're here for you, man. But uh, Ben, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you as well too. Looking forward to uh, to hearing more of your podcast in the future. Appreciate you having me on.